So what do you like most about your principal? He has good qualities and he's really nice towards the students and staff members. He doesn't let anyone down and he's always showing people what to do and how to do stuff if they don't know what to do. What do you like about your school principal? I like that he's encouraging, he's nice, he high-fives people like when he walks past. He's very talented, he's funny, he can play the, the, the guitar. <laughs> awesome. And he surfs, he plays basketball. It's pretty much a given that a principal with many talents is a winner in most students' eyes. But among those talents, school principals also need to be strong leaders, visionaries and community builders. This is Leading Change, the Technology in Schools podcast series. It's a behind-the-scenes look at how school leaders across the Asia-Pacific region deal with the rapidly developing technological age. We take you on a journey through the planning, implementation and evaluation of technology-rich learning environments. In this episode, we return to Jakarta Intercultural School, where elementary school principal Elsa Donoghue tells us about the inquiry-based learning program there. They're far more autonomous than they were. That's pretty awesome to see, to see fifth graders outside doing their own thing and you go check, check in with them and they're totally engaged without an adult nearby. Principal of Ringwood North Primary School in Melbourne, Mike Green, explains how his students and staff have embraced challenge-based learning. The real notions of a collaboration and engagement of kids and giving them voice in their learning was what sort of took our fancy. Bruce Jepson and his assistant principal, Paula Jamison, from New Zealand's Tiako Kipapamoa School are back. Look, I've been in a classroom and seen drones flying around and like running like an airport near traffic control. That's coding. We're using virtual reality in the classroom at the moment and I'd like to see that increase and to see um, the, the potential for that. And ICT specialist Trevor Galbraith shares how he transformed the digital device programs at both Corpus Christi and Servite Colleges in Western Australia. But we're delivering our learning and our education on the iPad. Other devices complimentary. Fantastic. When your school is set among 40 hectares of lush tropical gardens in Indonesia, making use of the outdoor spaces as well as the indoor ones is a high priority. And that's exactly what leaders at Jakarta Intercultural School, or JIS for short, are very mindful of. Head of school Tim Carr says modifying the environment to improve learning is an ongoing project. We ask students often at the beginning of the year about the environment that would best help them to learn. So that's, that's been a key component. And the co-construction idea is sort of ubiquitous in our school, right down to where the furniture should be and what sort of furniture it should be. And, you know, if I need to go read in isolation right now, what's the sort of environment that's going to create that for me in the next 15 minutes? So we've built in that sort of flexibility, recognizing that we have many different needs of learners in any classroom at any grade level in the school. One of the design speculations, our design specs that we have, is to create flexibility within a space, both indoors and outdoors, to bring the natural environment into our learning spaces as much as possible too. So we have a very transparent and open campus also. And we have one that, that 
emphasizes collaboration interactivity. It's not meant to be an isolated one, recognizing that there are times for isolation and when you need to be in a quiet spot by yourself. But generally speaking, the idea is to, to emphasize collaboration, bringing learners together also with the environment. For elementary school principal Elsa Donoghue, transparency is vital. So the school is designed to make teaching and learning as visible as possible. Our offices are glass offices and they're shared spaces and we ask kids and teachers to do the same thing. You know, there's nothing private about our practice necessarily when we're teaching and learning and that's been a pretty powerful idea and concept to embrace as we think of redesigning spaces. And the other significant thing is that it, it hasn't always been about demolishing a building and building it, you know, creating a new structure. It's been very much about what can we do, what are we appreciative about what we already have, and what can we do to augment this use, uh, you know, in order to help us deliver the mission and the vision of the school. For GIS, learning anytime, anywhere is really important especially when such high value is placed on innovation and contemporary learning. And the school's one-to-one digital device program is central to that. Which is why Tim Carr says all of his 2,400 students need to be able to connect their iPads and MacBook Airs to the wireless network without any problems. We have come such a long way. I think about the infrastructure that's been developed on our campus and in our country in the last seven years. It's phenomenal. Uh, The fact that we can go just about any square meter in our campus now and be connected uh, to Wi-Fi is is quite amazing because it's a big, sprawling, you know, 40 hectare type of place. So it's it's massive. So it's a big commitment that we've made to learning pretty much anywhere and the ability to connect just about anywhere as well. And so that I think has been a huge help to lesson design because you literally can, you know, think about designing a lesson anywhere on our campus, indoors or outdoors. It's the kind of environment that allows things like inquiry-based learning to flourish. With a mission to be passionate, inquisitive and creative, Jakarta Intercultural School places a high value on developing flexible curriculum right through its elementary, middle and high schools. But it's in the elementary school where inquiry-based learning has a special place. Elementary school principal Elsa Donoghue has been an integral part of the iTime program at GIS. The genesis of the iTime program really originated with our desire to embed more student choice and student agency as, as an integral part of our program. And so in order to do that, we worked collaboratively with Kath Murdoch, an inquiry-based practitioner and consultant from Australia, and engage our teachers in sort of co-constructing what the, what the structure of iTime could look like if we were to seriously embed it into, into our program. The aim of the program is to develop curriculum and community connections to expand learning beyond the classroom into the real world. It didn't happen overnight, but from mid-2014, the iTime program really started taking shape. Elsa Donoghue, along with other staff, wanted students to discover and follow their interests at the same time as developing their learning skills. It generated also from the early years a team having a lot of fun, allowing the kids to follow their own interests and their own passion in, in a very age-appropriate manner. And quite frankly, other, other grade-level teams began to see that sort of sprouting up, you know, from the early years and asking questions. And at the same time, Kath had 
Murdoch happened to be here. So one conversation led to another. And with the participation of multiple groups, quite a few sessions uh, engaging with the parent community so that they could actually come and experience the idea of, of a student or a learner following an area of interest and passion and actually going through the process as learners themselves, the parents. We found ourselves where we are right now, which is every student in the elementary school has the opportunity to pursue an idea, pursue an area of interest, an area of passion, with the support of, of an adult who can serve as a mentor. In some classrooms, you know, still we're still sort of massaging the idea of how much structure to provide, depending on the, on the grade level of the students. But we have so many examples of fabulous project-based ideas that have totally emanated from the kids' thinking and, and from their being exposed to an environment that provokes their interest to come to, to the surface. One of those projects was started by six boys in kindergarten. They wanted to build a playhouse. They wanted to engage in, in what that would look like. And so to make a long story short, it became a totally integrated project that involved our facilities folks. It involved a few professionals, the, the atelierista, classroom teacher, artists, you know, that they inquire and, and send uh, emails to and FaceTime conversations that they had with, with various experts outside of the school. And they built this three-dimensional playhouse that still sits in the playground. It's that idea of having, allowing kids to, to believe in the power they have to, to generate ideas and to see them to fruition that I think is what I personally value the most about iTime. Helping to break down the walls of classrooms, Elsa says elementary school students take part in one session of iTime a week, lasting up to 90 minutes. One area where I see technology helping with that uh, tremendously is in the ability that kids have to connect with real experts outside of the walls of our school. So an example is, you know, FaceTime, doing a FaceTime conversation with, with an artist or with an author or with another classroom around the world that may be, you know, pursuing a similar idea. That idea that, you know, that you can use primary sources and talk to real people has been uh, pretty significant for our elementary kids. I mean, uh, in other ways of research as well. Engaging our kids with real experts has been pretty powerful, I think. If you were to walk in a classroom, you see at least 10, 15 different ideas being pursued or projects ongoing, sometimes outside of the classroom. So utilizing learning spaces uh, that are available to us. Library is another common space where the kids can go during that time and they have total freedom to go and meet with whom they need to and to go to the space that allows them to tackle their, the task that they have for that day. Different grade levels have laid out a structure by which the kids can follow what they're engaging in a, in a given week based on what their project is as well. So it's not necessarily a free-for-all. There are some structures that are provided. And what we're seeing is that as the kids go year to year, this being our third year of implementation now, they're far more autonomous than they were. That's pretty awesome to see. You see fifth graders outside doing their own thing and you go check, check in with them and they're totally engaged without an adult nearby. Just as inquiry-based learning helps break down the walls of classrooms, challenge-based learning does too. It's a concept in which students work together in groups and use technology to tackle issues relating to their school, family and wider community. 
Ringwood North Primary in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne has integrated challenge-based learning throughout the school. At the helm is Principal Mike Green, who was one of the first school leaders in Australia to wholeheartedly embrace the concept. The real notions of a collaboration and engagement of kids and giving them voice in their learning, where they actually had a sense that they could do amazing things. They could actually be, could actually engage in real solutions to real problems with anybody who wanted to work with them anywhere around the world was what sort of took our fancy. Because of Ringwood North's one-to-one digital device program, iPads have become a pivotal part of challenge-based learning at the primary school. For example, Mike Green says the technology has allowed some of the younger children in the school to connect with people thousands of kilometres away. From little kids at grade twos, you know, engaging in one of their challenges with a, with a female truck driver, you know, those enormous trucks they have in the Kimberleys, you know, in those huge open-cut mines. Uh, she actually put a film together for the kids and interviewed her colleagues over there and, and streamed it back to the kids over here in the classroom. And that was just through the kids contacting uh, the mine and the the driver. It wasn't it wasn't about the teachers getting that that sort of thing together. There's hundreds of those sorts of things, you know, right down to grade fives and sixes. The kids were engaging in a real context of why they need to reduce their carbon footprint because here's this guy climbing glaciers or the mountains uh, that have glaciers around the equator. It won't be there in, you know, 18, 18 plus months. And this is this is why he's fighting for it. This, so they get a sense of a need for them to be doing something. There's a whole, there's a whole variety of that sort of stuff. And, and it could be in the simplest forms, uh, guest speakers that have come in and spoke, spoken to the kids. They wanted, you know, to find out more about the impact of some of our parents' work with, you know, world vision and, and a whole variety of that sort of thing. One of the bonuses of our parent community, of course, is that they're engaged in, in many and varied fields and they're an instant resource for the kids. The kids are really good at networking and uh, utilising their parents' skills. Other projects students have been involved in include making a positive difference. Some chose to visit a local nursing home, others decided to educate people about responsible pet ownership and one group came up with an idea to collect donations for people less fortunate than themselves. In all of those projects, students use technology to communicate, research and make books and movies. An important part of challenge-based learning, or CBL at Ringwood North Primary, is evaluation and reflection. What I like about CBL is that all our, um, all our team is working well together and we're getting on with our job. And since this is the last week, um, we're nearly about to finish and I'm really happy. Mike Green says challenge-based learning exposes students to 21st century learning in the best possible way. The impact of those things aren't necessarily confined to curriculum outcomes, but uh, we tend to work the reverse here in that we facilitate the learning experience and then we back audit to what the curriculum requires. We've always found that if you design your lessons around what the curriculum outcomes are, it stops the creativity because you're only looking at a given year level. And what we need to do is look well beyond what the kids are capable of and that not just expect that because the national government or the state government say that grade fives or grade threes should do X, that they have to stop there. And most of the kids learning of those outcomes happens on bigger picture teaching and learning processes. We've given you just a taste of inquiry and challenge-based learning in this episode. In future episodes, you'll be hearing a lot more about them.
Tiakokipa Pamor Primary School in New Zealand's Bay of Plenty was the first school in the country to get a one-to-one iPad program up and running. And that's largely due to a very talented e-learning team. Among its wide variety of roles, the team looks after infrastructure, develops apps to meet the needs of students within the school and guides professional development. Paula Jamison started as a member of the e-learning team and is now assistant principal. So the e-learning team has evolved over time um, due to changes and staff and the fact that all our staff have really lifted their game, I guess. They've all become just so involved and switched on to technology that that continuum of staff has just grown over time. So in some ways it's really good because it means that my job and my role has really changed as well. I'm not delivering um, professional development and and learning um, workshops or anything like that like I used to, but we have got those still happening, but it's staff within their own teams or senior leaders within their own teams. So it's really evolved and changed over time. Initially, the purpose was to to upskill and to really ignite that passion for learning and to show that the devices and the technology could really make a difference, whereas now teachers know that. So it's really deepening that understanding and it's changing and looking how that landscape is really changing in technology. Now we're having all students code and we're, we've got a, a dedicated makerspace where students are able to really dig a lot deeper than they were in a classroom environment before. The school is at the cutting edge of technology and Principal Bruce Jepson wants to ensure Tiakokipa Palmore Primary School stays that way. And look at the world we live in and the relevance of the world we live in and, and the place that coding plays. There are not many organisations or businesses or anything around in the world that don't have some aspect to coding related work and that would open pathways for all children. So for that basis alone of the world we live in currently and the importance of that, we want to establish our children having, should they want to enter into that, that they're very competent. I've been in a classroom and seen drones flying around and like running like an airport near traffic control. That's coding. So here they are and they're coding these drones flying in a room and flight paths and running another maths lesson like that and I'm there going around looking at these drones thinking this is cool but it was better than cool it was the learning behind behind that and the understanding that those children take from that lesson so yeah coding has to play a critical part in our school in the future we're just going to up the ante on that. Paula Jamison is just as keen to embrace the future. We're using virtual reality in the classroom at the moment and I'd like to see that increase and to see um, the, the potential for that. How do you use virtual reality at the moment? Can you share some examples? Yeah, we've got little isolated pockets at the moment. We sort of um, had teachers using QR codes before and now we've moved on and we're having them um, create their own targets. Um, we use the what I'd call the baseline virtual reality stuff initially, you know, looking at students making their drawings come to life and, and that sort of thing. But now we've moved on for that from that and we're getting students um, making their own movies and, and trying to cross in those two environments. And I'm really interested to see what 
what will come out of that. Uh, we're talking about a virtual art tour at the moment and also looking at the possibilities of our library. We've got this amazing makerspace, but, you know, like happens to all schools, um, space becomes a push. And I'm thinking of, OK, what's ways that we can have our, our library mobile, but also have access virtually um, to lots of readers, to have our students reading picture books for our juniors and, you know, all those sorts of possibilities, I guess. There are so many amazing stories about how Tiako Kipa Palmoa uses technology for learning and teaching. You can hear about that in episode four if you haven't already. Bruce Jepson became principal in 2007, and to his surprise, he's still in the job. It's really exciting. Like, um, I didn't actually think I would be at the school now. I thought I would have maybe done something else for a while, and but it's just too exciting. You know, when you see like the examples of those learning examples, then it's a great environment to be in. You see the passion of the staff and their willingness to put themselves out there and, and their capabilities. So we've done some really cool things, but I, I, I sincerely don't think we're anywhere near our potential. We've got this amazing capacity. We haven't realised that yet. So I think some amazing things are going to happen. Just leave it at that. In the next episode, you'll hear a lot more about professional development at the school and how staff have benefited from the Apple Teacher Program. For a school to be at the cutting edge of technology, it needs experienced ICT staff, especially someone like Trevor Galbraith. Until mid-2016, Trevor was the Director of Learning Technologies at Corpus Christi College in Perth. The college has a strong academic record in the community, always rates in the top 20 schools in Perth and Western Australia, and it prides itself on instilling self-confidence, compassion and personal excellence amongst students. Having taken up two positions at Corpus Christi since 1987, Trevor Galbraith returned to the college in 2011. He says it would be fair to say that at the time, technology at Corpus Christi was in a state of flux. The challenge of returning to Corpus Christi is a really interesting question I get asked quite often. Why would you go back to a school or a workplace that you've been to twice and you know, you've spent uh, the greater part of your, your working career there? The school is always uh, fundamentally, I call my home in my heart. It, it's um, only a couple of kilometres from where, where I, I live. But the challenge was that uh, the they, they'd lost their way and, and, and there's some obvious structures and bits and pieces of a whole technology puzzle that weren't being followed. And I really thought that uh, given the fact that I had had a very, very strong working relationship with the principal there, I had this relationship where I knew the synergy was that I had in mind what Carolyn's vision was for the school and I thought I connected and uh, the rest is, say, history. Trevor describes Principal Caroline Payne as a courageous leader who is prepared to take risks. So, with her support, he immediately got to work on what he identified as three key components – network, hardware and the people delivering the technology services. If those three elements are not in exact harmony, the rest of getting the staff, the students, the parents on board is nearly mission impossible. So to me, that's, that's why most schools fail. They don't, they don't get the fundamentals right. So as soon as I walked into Corpus Christi College, my whole aim was to change a dynamic of the support teams to, yes, we can, rather than ever answer a, a question to a student, to a parent, to a teacher. No, sorry, can't do that. So it, it was engendering uh, the attitude of at 
every time, every possible, yes we can, even if we didn't know the answer, we would go and research and help. I should tell people this secret, but uh, I should keep it to myself before I give up. It's to engage people one-on-one. Not talk to the masses, not put yourself out there in front of a whole school. It's empowering the one, the two, the three percent of staff who have got the light, who then go out and convert the rest of the world. When Trevor Galbraith returned to Corpus Christi in 2011, the older students in years 10, 11 and 12 were using Windows laptops and those in years 7, 8 and 9 were working with MacBooks. It certainly wasn't an ideal situation and Trevor knew there had to be some big changes. So the decision was made to get rid of the Windows laptops and add iPads to the mix. And at the beginning of 2016, Corpus Christi College changed the primary device for all students to iPads. The whole school, Corpus Christi College School now, is an iPad school. A very, very high-performing academic school who uses iPads. And there'll be many a different person that you'll have a conversation with who say, hey, an iPad's not a laptop or a student should be using MacBook. The way that we've implemented and processed and, and, and involved our students and in particularly our teachers was all around the device being used for four or five specifics, not around apps, not around typing essays, not around making movies. And that real successful transition has enveloped the whole school. It's now a school where there is one device, one set of apps and applications and processes for the whole of the the community. And we've matured so much that uh, the, the college itself now is a BYOD school. So the students provide their own iPad and they can supplement their education with any other personal devices. So the device set in place, the education programs, that's the exciting part now at Corpus Christi College. The senior students at Corpus Christi College have especially warmed to the new technology structure. Hi, I'm Phoebe and I'm a Year 11 student at Corpus. I personally bring both my laptop and my iPad to school. And this is because I was brought up on laptops and I find that having the opportunity to just be able to choose which device suits my learning style more is really, really useful in all of my classes. In a subject like science, I also find that it's really, really good to have my iPad around just to model diagrams and make quick annotations to my documents for future reference. So that's why I find that having both my laptop and my iPad is a very useful tool at school. In the middle of 2016, things were running like a well-oiled machine at Corpus Christi, so Trevor decided he needed a new challenge. He became the Director of Research and Innovation at another Catholic school in Perth, Servite College, a Windows device school. I spoke to Trevor at the beginning of 2017 to see how things were going. When I went into the school, I thought, nah, these Windows surfaces are fantastic, uh, nice device, never going to change it. Six months later, same old story trip. School has gone completely iPad. Now at Servite, this year, we can focus on teaching and learning. And last year, in the six months I spent there, 90% of the time was focused on servicing the device, updates, uploads, keeping and going connectivity. Now, two weeks into a year, we made this decision in December, by the way, Apple delivered every student in the school has an iPad. We're now ready to do the most important part, teaching and learning. 
Trevor was intent on transforming Servite College's digital device program and very quickly he got all of the school leaders on board. Amazingly, within a two-week transition, the last two weeks of school, here's a crazy, here's a crazy idea. The school's going to go from Windows to Apple. Impossible. And I just, let's throw in something else. Let's throw out the network. Let's throw out all the wireless. Put new networking, new wireless, new devices. Hey, the school owns the devices. How can a school have a thousand devices? Lowest fee paying school. How can they sell those and bring in new ones? Simply, we have sold every Windows device. Just by the way, we on-sold them to most Catholic schools and needy people and our family and our community. We've got a beautiful little world now in the first two weeks, but we're delivering our learning and our education on the iPad. Other devices complimentary. Fantastic. Two weeks transformed the whole school. We're now starting the fun of teaching and learning. And that brings us to the end of Episode 5. I'm Kate Harnett. We look forward to you joining us again soon.